We are back. Uh, just another sports podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, sorry about missing last week's episode. Had a little scheduling snafu that prevented us from recording, but uh, we are here and lots to talk about today. Uh, Greg Swatek here with Josh Smith and uh, FMP sports writer Joe Ferraro is with us as well. How are you guys? Doing great, man. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, since we uh, have been away, the Nationals, the Washington Nationals have won the World Series. And uh, if, if you took my word for it, uh, uh, you might have been out of luck because I was predicting an Astros sweep. I think I we, all, we all actually uh, predicted the Astros to win. I yeah. thought the Nationals had little to no chance uh, to win the World Series. And and, and, you, and then they go and win the first two games. And you're thinking, okay, they, they have a shot. But then they, <laughs> they lose three games in Washington. And they have to win two, have to win two in Houston to do it. And, um, and remarkably, they, they, they did with, with, the, with their – Top two pitchers, Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer. So, uh, so here we are, uh, another DC sports championship. Uh, the Nats taking the cue from the Capitals a couple of years ago and, and finally break through and win. And uh, sort of similar in how they did it in a year that no one expected them to do it. Right, everybody. Right. The Capitals had had all those near misses and the disappointments, and the same thing happened with the Nats. And here they came along this past year, and it wasn't really looking. Like they were a contender, uh, certainly wasn't the case even early in the season, right? And then they just caught fire, and the chemistry was was perfect. It yeah, I mean, like the Capitals had years and years where they were one of the best teams in hockey. They they couldn't break through. There was disappointment after disappointment, uh, following a very similar script to what what the Nationals were doing uh, in, in Major League Baseball, and and yeah, they they both broke through. Like like you say, Josh, when when. Um, when they le- when you least expected him to do it, and but but Joe has been sort of on this for a while. I'll, I'll give him credit. Uh, he this is not a surprise to you, Joe. Not not entirely. Um, it, it, as you said, uh, nobody expected to do it. Now, hey, m- myself, I picked the Astros in seven, but you know, I, I knew it was going to end at some point or another, uh, sooner rather than later. This year, no. I mean, usually in, in history. You, the teams that win it are virtually bulletproof. They, they have no glaring weaknesses. And when you have a you know Washington Nationals team that, albeit their, their their bullpen got a little bit better with the emergence of Tanner Rainey and then Daniel Hudson as well, but it was still a glaring glaring weakness, especially when you consider the Astros bullpen, which was uh, a lot better. So you know for you know, Dave Martinez to be able to navigate his way around that glaring weakness and, and, and still have them win it all. Uh, just a, an amazing job by him. And uh, I'll touch on Dave Martinez a little bit later when we get to the boat. But uh, just, uh, just, just amazing. You're going to throw Dave Martinez on the boat? <laughs> no, he's, 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 no, 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 no. He's, he's not getting on the boat. Oh, okay. We'll get to it a little, right, bit, a little right. bit later on. All right. Well, there, there's a little tease uh, for you for, from Joe. But, um, yeah, I mean, Daniel Hudson was a trade uh, deadline uh, acquisition from, from the Blue Jays, and he turned into really their best reliever. All yep. due respect to Sean Doolittle, but Doolittle had his ups and downs a, a little bit this season, but still largely consistent and, and, and a good relief pitcher. But, but yeah, everyone else was <laughs> sort of a real dicey question mark for the Nationals. and. And they beat two 100-plus win teams in the Dodgers, who I think won 106, and the Astros, who won 107 games. Yeah, I expected the Dodgers because, you know, the Dodgers' bullpen, is, as great as that team was, uh, you know, their, their bullpen was suspect. Kenley Jansen wasn't as good as he has been, and then uh, everything else in middle relief, not very good. So that's why I thought they'd beat the Dodgers, but <laughs> not, not the Astros, that's for sure. 
So I guess the question now becomes, like, do the Nationals have a sort of a sustained run in them? And um, since they've won the World Series, they've had Steven Strasburg, the World Series MVP, opt out of his contract. Yep. Not not a surprise because he's, he's obviously going to test free agency because he's going to get a, a, a big payday. But they have to also pay Anthony Rendon, too. Right. Um, so they have two big contracts they, they need to uh, lock up uh, heading into the next season. Um, and, and, and some other periphery move. They like go of Ryan Zimmerman. The expect, expectation, if Zimmerman wants to keep playing, is that he'll be back, or they'll work something out with him. Howie so, Kendrick as well. Yeah, yeah, Howie Kendrick, who they they would want to bring back. So, lots of little move, a couple of big moves, and lots of little moves they're going to have to take. But is this sustainable uh, for the Nationals? I think so, and uh, I think I think they have to bring him back just to to open that window. I mean, I've thought about it a little bit, and I think they have to bring both of those guys yeah, back. I don't, I don't think they could let Rendon uh, sure. and, and just go all in and say, okay, this is, you know, this is our window. Um, I think Rendon is a, a no brainer uh, because of his age. Um, he's 29 years old. So, you know, if he wants his, you know, six, seven year deal, which is, um, you know, you have all these uh, long-term deals with uh, some of these other teams that have been a real albatross, uh, you got Chris Davis here in Baltimore, uh, my Cubs, Jason Hayward, but Anthony Rendon, that's a, that's a, that's a safe bet if you want to lock him up. You, you know what you're going to get. He's going to be healthy. He's going to hit for average. He's, he's going to hit for power. He's going to hit good pitching. Strasburg, on the other hand, I, I still think they have to do it, but you know, over his eight full seasons, he's only pitched uh, more than 200 innings only twice in his career. So that that's a little bit of a risk. But it's it's a risk they have to take because he's proven he can play, he can perform well on the big stage, and and that's what it's all about. You you have to you have to lock him up too. Uh, now, now for the Nationals' purposes, they may be thinking four or five years for him, but I'm sure he's going to want his six or seven. But uh, Nationals thinking four four to five years because eventually they're going to have to be paying. Juan Soto and Victor Robles, their their money. Trey that, Turner too. I don't <laughs> Trey think Turner too. Right. You know, down down the road. So and, that's and, gonna be interesting. And it's interesting the guy they're not paying is Bryce Harper because had they locked Bryce Harper into a three hundred million dollar plus contract, that they, they would have had to make some tough decisions. That they um, uh, they wouldn't be able they wouldn't be in position to sign Strasburg and Rendon and Harper. Right. And they wouldn't have Patrick Corbin on the roster either because they used the money they saved by not paying Harper to sign a, a really good starting pitcher in Patrick Corbin. So I'm not even sure the Nationals would have won the World Series if, if, if Harper was still on the roster and they, and they, were, and they were paying him. So I, I think they benefited by not having that contract on the books, and that, that's going to allow them some flexibility heading into this offseason when they have a couple other big big ticket uh, players uh, to sign. Did you see the Did you see the uh, tweet? I guess it was an image that someone at one of the World Series games took of the back of someone's um, jersey in the crowd. It was obviously a Harper jersey, so it was a number 34. And at the top of it, where it used to say Harper, you've seen tons of fans do these sorts of things. This one was hilarious. Um, no pun intended here. This started, it started his last name. The, they left the HA, and then they put tape over the rest of it and put – another H.A. and another H.A., like, ha, 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 ha. Very good, yes. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. It was excellent. Right. And uh, Dave Martinez, who people were writing columns about firing him when, when they were 19 and 31 yep. and struggling at the start of the season, here he is. And um, I, I know Manager of the Year is sort of a regular season award, but he would definitely win it um, if, if, he, if he factored in 
the postseason too. So it was just remarkable. They were so remarkable in the elimination games. They could have lost to the Brewers in the wild card game. Soto right. came through. They could have lost to the Dodgers in in, in the uh, divisional round. Kendrick came through with the grand slam. Um, they could have lost to the Astros, um, Strasburg, and Scherzer came through. Scherzer, who couldn't lift his arm three days earlier, pitched and started Game <laughs> Seven of the World Series and gave him a decent gave him a decent start. And then you had guys like Adam Eaton uh, homering, Rendon homering, and and just all all the role players in addition to the big names came through for him. So yeah, going back to what you were talking about with Strasburg or Rendon, I think. What I just read from Barry Spurluga wrote a column that we're going to have in our paper, and he's talking about the luxury tax and all that, and whether or not if they sign these two guys, you know, if they're going to be over it, and that's like the big concern. But I think there's a deal where like if you're over it for three years or something like that is when you really start having to pay on it. Um, I wow, just pay just pay those guys. You're gonna you know what I mean? Like I don't know what the penalty is. The penalty is going to be like you know several million dollars or something if they go over by uh, a certain and, amount and i think the learners are like if not the richest owners in baseball they're they're like at the top of the list yeah. in terms of all like all these guys are rich but the learners are like the richest of the rich yeah and just think so. of how much money how much money you can make if you win another world series i mean this, right. well, you're in this for what, what do you win it for you're in it to win world series so and these guys were two incredibly crucial players i they don't win they don't win the world series without both of those guys and it's hard to see them plugging that gap with either one of those. If either one of those guys was was to leave, I mean, Strasburg's finally delivered. I mean, there was the whole yeah, controversy over right. shutting him down in in twenty twelve, and will this guy ever pan out? I mean, he's been good, but will he like ever deliver in a big way? He finally did this season. He was their yeah. best. He was their best pitcher all season. Scherzer was excellent too, but but he had his um, issues with injuries and stuff like that. So Strasburg, from start to finish, was their best pitcher, and he became the World Series MVP. I'm not sure he should have been the MVP. I mean, I would, I would yeah. argue Soto or Rendon over him, but he but he gave him uh, two really good starts um, and, and 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 two wins. So you so you can't argue with it. So, but yeah, I mean, you, you just he finally delivered, and you, and you can't let the guy walk after he finally yeah. cashed in on being the number one overall pick in the draft, right. and certainly not at that position, like an ace, one of their two aces. I mean, you need they needed those guys. That's what you know. That's what they were able to ride in that playoff run. And Rendon, who I mean, who do they have in the pipeline? It's not like they got some third baseman that's anywhere near as good as what he is that they could plug in. I don't know enough about their minor league system, but there's just no way that you're going to get what he is anytime in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, with a young guy, there's a lot of good third baseman in the yeah. game, but but he's he's I would I put him right at the top of the list with Nolan Arenado, yeah. Chris Bryant. I mean, I, I, I think. Chop- uh, Machado, I, I, I think he's right there with all those guys, right, Joe? Yeah, I mean, and you saw you saw him hitting home runs off of you know Clayton Kershaw and and just the greats of the game. I mean, the the home run he hit off of Kershaw was a ball, it was a breaking ball that at his ankles he still uh, golfed it out of the ballpark. Just him hitting good yeah. pitching in big situations and. And yeah, this is this is their window. Uh, you know, Nationals should go all in if they if they get those two guys, they will have a five year window, you know, to go after you know the the championship every one of those years. And if uh, if they get one, 
you know, great. If not, you you gave yourself a window. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, you know, not every team in the major leagues is going to be uh, the Red Sox or the Yankees where they're going to be competitive 10 to 15, 20 years straight. Uh, but, but, but if they have a nice five-year window – you know, like uh, like the Cubs did, you know, like the Phillies did in, in last decade, you know, spilling into part of this decade. That's that's pretty nice for for a fan to know for five years in a row, you're going to be in a running in the running for a World Series title. Uh, that that's great. And to do it with with uh, with someone like Soto, who is tw- what he just turned 21. I don't know how many right. more years he has on his deal where they before they have to start to negotiate with him and, and get him his his long term big you know extension um but geez how good is that kid gonna be i, I he, we but, might be talking about other otherworldly uh in terms of what he what he's gonna become um just and you like he like joe was just talking about the home, the home runs that rendon was hitting against uh you know some of the best pitchers in the game soda was doing it too and he's 20 right. years old uh it just yeah i mean if you if it's you exciting look, to if, if you look at the pitchers think about. he had success against in the postseason um, Josh Hader of the Brewers. Yeah, they had the game-winning hit, um, and and Hader was what the NL reliever of the year or something like that. Right. Uh, um, so NL reliever of the year, he has a game-winning hit off of. He homered off of Kershaw um, in in the, in the division series. He homered twice off of Garrett Cole in, uh, in in the World Series. So these are like the best of the best in terms of pitchers that that Soto is. He's almost it, like nonchalant about it too. Yeah, like right. the way I, it just. It's just mind-boggling when you're he's he's that young and he's just that skilled. I think I was watching something, maybe one of the post post game um, bits that like A Rod and David Ortiz and um, Frank Thomas were talking about his swing and how it's almost like an old school swing with the way he uses his hands. And um, I'm not going to try to you know discuss what they were talking about, but it was really kind of interesting because you know the way we're seeing things go today with the the. Uh, the, the trajectory of the bat and the launch, the, the launch angle and all of that stuff. Like, I don't think he sort of subscribes to that. He has a different sort of style. It's an old school swing. Um, and it's serving him well, you know what I mean? Regardless of what era he's playing in the kid hit what 30 some odd homers this year. Um, I don't know. He's like, I don't root for the nationals. I, I really, I, I, I don't have much interest in them, but he's someone that I'm going to con- in- enjoy watching over the you know the next. He homered decade. in his first game in the majors. Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, he did at uh, age what nineteen. Nineteen, yeah. right? He homered in his first game in the majors, and uh, if you look at their outfield too, don't forget about Victor Robles, who's an elite uh, defensive uh, center fielder, and they have a guy like Michael A. Taylor, who's a very good defender, who's not their best hitter, but but he's a guy that you could bring off the bench and. Platoon, I think he had a home run in the postseason too. Outfield, yeah. Uh, and that's the reason why they felt they could let go of Bryce Harper is because you had Adam Eaton, you had Robles and Soto in the outfield. So you don't need to invest another $300 million in, in another uh, outfielder, especially when Harper's not the best defensive outfielder. So so what are you really getting? I mean, yes, you'd like it, you would like his bat in your lineup, but uh, outside of that, what are you what are you getting for $300 million? So Yeah, and and another thing, another reason to, to, to lock up both of these guys, uh, you know, Max Scherzer, He's around for three more years. And so I believe Soto, what, two years of service time? So he's got another four. So by the time, you know, Max goes off the books, you know, then that money can go, you know, to guys like uh, Soto and, and Victor Robles. And, and so, so yeah, they, 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 they need to do this. And, you know, up and down the lineup, uh, if you have just, <laughs> just the one guy and, 
in Soto who can consistently hit, you know, elite major league pitching, uh, you know, Eaton to some extent maybe. But if you have that third that can consistently do it, I mean, yeah, every, every year for four or five years, you're, you're going to be a, a World Series contender. And if you look at it, the Nats have really enjoyed an extended window here because they've been a contender for a long time. I mean, they were just under yeah. they were just underachieving for the first four to five years right. uh, of, of of this run. But 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 now that they're finally realizing the potential, they're 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 really extend they're uh, they've extended their window uh, really for for another few years here but really it's been a great yeah and this is the best team they've had too right. almost i mean so, josh I mean, picked him to win the world series a year early he picked right. him to win the world series last year so um so this has been a nice sort of 10-year run uh, uh for the, for them and, and and it has a chance to to continue even longer obviously so i want i, I want to switch uh, gears here and and while we may um, have been surprised at the Nationals winning the World Series. Maybe not you as much, Joe, but um, I, for one, and I don't think you were either, Josh, was not surprised that the Ravens uh, took it to the Patriots uh, Sunday night. I think we all picked. We all picked. No way. In our weekly picks, Joe picked the Patriots. I picked the Patriots. I think everybody else picked right. the Ravens. And there's oh. nothing. There's no shame in picking the Patriots. They're only undefeated and they have the best track record of any team in recent NFL history. So, so no shame there. But yeah, I mean, the the Ravens are are sort of becoming a big time Super Bowl contender especially in the AFC and and their their strengths just match up so well with with New England's weaknesses that if these teams play again in Foxborough, uh, yeah. the Patriots are going to have the same issues that they did and Sunday. Specifically, what are you talking about? You're talking about the defensive backs of the Ravens against uh, – if you're matching up the Ravens' uh, defense with the Patriots' offense, you're right. Like They have a, a bunch of studs in the defensive backfield, and the Patriots really don't have much in the way of receivers. Of course, they added Sanu, and he was productive, right. but – yeah, that, you're right. I mean, it's almost uh, it's almost like the perfect matchup for the Ravens. And, and, and the bigger mismatch is the pa- the Patriots do not have a good run defense, right? And, and, and that's what the that's the, what the Ravens do. They they run the ball. You have to, you have to stop their running game. They're averaging 200 plus yards a game. So so the Ravens and plus the Ravens have done it before. So so they 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 know they can do it. And, and believing you could beat the Patriots is, is half the battle uh, uh, most of the time. So. The AFC is wide open, I, I think. I mean, you have New England's there, but New England hasn't really played anyone. And and they really, outside of Brady, they have, like, two, like, really good offensive players in Julian Edelman and James White. James White, White yeah. And, and outside of that, there, there's really no one on their offense. Sanu will be a good piece for them, but he's Anyhow. not a scary He's not a scary and, and, uh, offensive weapon. Right. They don't really have one. And we'll see what Nikhil Harry, their uh, rookie yeah. receiver who just came off of the injured uh, list, um uh, can do for them if he could become a weapon, but he's a rookie. Yeah. So the Patriots' offense has been underwhelming so far, despite their record. Their, their run defense has really looked bad in the last two weeks. Nick Chubb was gashing them, but but fumbling uh, two weeks ago uh, for the Browns. So uh, I think you have to look. You have to look to Kansas City. Kansas City, because Mahomes is coming back two weeks from now. Whatever it is. Um, but but their defense their, is bad. Their defense is getting better though. I mean, I watched that defense play really well against my team over yeah. the weekend. Um, now they they don't have any they don't have any like shut down corners or anything like that. They have they have some uh, some decent uh, pass rushers. Um, I think they've gotten better against the run. Uh, but Mahomes will be the difference maker for them. He's going to be somebody that can win those 
30, you know, 40 to 35 shootouts or something if, if it comes down to it. Um, he's going to rack up points, and I think that's where – man, imagine those two, those two teams, the Ravens, playing against uh, the Chiefs. Last year when they met, I think it was very early in Lamar Jackson's starting tenure, was, wasn't it? Yeah, right. And it ended up being a, a high-scoring back and forth that Mahomes ended up winning near, near, near the end of the game. Man, just imagine how exciting a playoff game would be between those yeah, two they, teams. They, they played two games in Arrowhead, and yeah. they've both been really competitive. The Chiefs have won them, won them both, but, but, but not by much. The thing about the Patriots, though, is they do have a good pass defense. I mean, they, they rush the passer well, and they, they, they do have good DBs, and uh, Stephon Gilmore and, and, yeah. and, and other good players. So the Patriots match up a whole heck of a lot better with, with the most, Chiefs. With, with most other teams in the with, NFL, with the too. Chiefs, but not the Ravens. Right. Their run defense is suspect, and, and the Ravens are the one team that can really make you – make you pay for having a bad run defense. So, no, so it's, it's really a stylistic thing. It, it's a matchup thing. Go ahead, Joe. Now, now as far as the Patriots goes, the, re- the reason why I picked them is that, you know, the Ravens, uh, I mean, Mar- Marcus Peters, my goodness. I mean, I think before it's all said and done, I mean, he's going to be worth like two or three wins, you <laughs> know, alone, you know, just by getting him and pairing him with Humphrey and, uh, Jimmy that, Smith, and, yeah. and Jimmy Smith. I mean, just because you know the Ravens' linebacking core. I mean, they had they had to get uh, replace all all those free agents, and I I still don't think they're great. Uh, and so they're uh, you know they're helping in in that respect. You know, make up for that. And you know, I that's one big reason why I, I did not think uh, the Ravens would be able to handle them. And also, you know, Bill Belichick is, is someone who, who takes away your number one weapon. And for, and I, I saw parts of that game and, you know, <laughs> the Patriot, the Patriots had Lamar Jackson seemingly pinned in, you know, about to tackle him. And he just makes, you know, a, you know, a quick move. And then he, he splits two two defenders and he's off running for 15 yards. Yeah. I mean, I, I that 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 was an eye opener for me. I mean, for someone like Belichick, who's, who's who consistently takes away your best weapon, and you know, you, you to, just can't. You, like you, you, you can't. Right. Uh, it it was it was it was an eye opener, and and for them to score thirty seven, uh, I, I I didn't see that coming. You know, if you if you told me they'd score, you know, twenty four, okay, fine, but thirty seven points against you know someone who's who, who a team uh, that had been historic, historic on a historical pace. And, yeah. At, yeah. The, at the beginning of the season, also, um, you know, the, the points they'd allowed the Patriots, and, they, and as you pointed out, Greg, they fall on hard times. I mean, they were comparing their defense to the to the to the '85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens yeah, it's, because it's, of the points definitely allowed. Not, definitely so, not that. Yeah, they they were allowing like eight points a game going into right. that Ravens game, and, and right. then. But but I just knew stylistically I just knew it was a horrible matchup for them because I watched the Browns run all over them the week before and I'm like man if the Browns could do this with Nick Chubb what are the what are the Ravens going to do with them with against mm-hmm. them with uh, with Jackson and Ingram and stuff and I mean I'm wrong a, a lot about about my my sports opinions and, and what I say on here I was wrong about the Nationals but man was I wrong about Lamar Jackson <laughs> me too uh, because <laughs> I I just did not see him becoming this level of a playmaker just because. Passing is not a strong suit. He's, he's becoming a better passer, but it's, I, I still wouldn't call it a strong suit. But 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 man, I, I just didn't think that uh, he'd have this sort of impact uh, uh, run, running the ball like he has. The so. worst part about it to me is that it's John, John Harbaugh's uh, arrogance is only going to balloon even more. His head's only going to get even bigger because he committed to this yeah. guy. I mean, they smartly. I yeah. mean, this is what smart coaches do. They say, "This is what we have. This is his strengths." We're going all in on his strengths. We're not going to try and uh, gimmick things up or any, any anything like that. We're not going to try and force 
Jackson into into our offense. We're going to tailor the offense to him, and it's paid huge dividends. Getting a running back like Mark Ingram, um, yeah, I mean, they're was a great was a great addition. They're they're an incredibly smart organization, and Harbaugh's you know hung on he hung on there for those couple of years where it was you know sort of like touch and go as to whether they were going to bring him back, and like man, the guy's just a great coach. I mean, uh, so you, you can't you. As much as I dislike the guy, I don't want to see him win. It's like it's hard to it's hard to imagine him not making a deep run. I do agree with the Chiefs that it, it may come <laughs> after what I just saw in that game. Uh, it may be you know the Chiefs uh, against the Ravens, depending on how the seedings go down. It, uh, it's really for, gonna, for, for the AFC championship. It's really going to depend on who gets who in that division, right. that second round of the playoff. Do the Ravens get the Chiefs or do they get the Patriots? Do the Chiefs get the Patriots or the? I mean, it's really going to depend on that. The, the seeding is going to be huge. The Records right. are going to be big, um, just because who who get who meets before the championship game, and and really had the Ravens not gift wrapped those ten points for the Patriots with with the with the fumbles, I mean that game could have been yeah. a lot uglier on Sunday night. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, another surprise. I mean, no 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 disrespect respect to your Browns, but here's a Ravens team that lost to your Browns. I, 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 that, that game looks stranger by Yeah, they by ran rush out of Wow. <laughs> yeah, and they scored 40 points in that game too. And now like you say, Joe, the Ravens defense has its weaknesses and and but 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 that's the beauty of their offense is with their running and ball control offense, they can yeah. keep their defense off of the field for, Make for up large for it. stretches and and sure. yes, they've added Marcus Peters and and, uh, and other good players. It's improved the defense during over the course of the season already. So yeah, but 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 the Browns game is looking like uh, more of an anomaly is with with the every passing wow. day. So and, and we'll get to the Browns here in a minute because uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot to say about their um, uh, predicament. But um, uh, J- Josh, you had some stuff written down. Did you have stuff prepared that you wanted to talk oh, about? Oh, this or, those, uh, these are just for our bits. I was gonna, okay. I was going to say, but I did I did want to say something else NFL related, and that was uh, it, it's just it's stunning each week to watch. I always I always flip over to watch a little bit of the Seahawks games because they're again they're just another team that I I I with my team in the in what's going to be the hunt for the wild card like they're going to be right there with them so I always rooting against the Seahawks do they and play? it's it's futile yeah yeah they do they play in a couple of weeks they play in Seattle and it'll be a Minnesota loss like there's no way that Minnesota is going to go win in prime time you in can, Seattle it's you, just you, not you're happening send Colin down to I, yeah, Charlestown yeah I mean for, I, for, for that I, one? I would have bet last week. But the fact that Mahomes was questionable, they pulled the game off the board because they because no one knew if he was going to play. Right. I was going to bet on Kansas City. I even he was going, and I was going to put money on Kansas City, but they pulled it off the what, board. What about Sunday night against the Cowboys? Uh, yeah, this if, week? if he goes if he goes this week, I'm going to have him put some money on the Cowboys because again, it's prime time. Like they don't win these games. Kirk Cousins does not win these games. Right. And like it's a bad, it's just a bad matchup for them. They're, they they won't win in in Dallas. But what I was going to say is is watching Russell Wilson. It's like you you like you just know he's going to win the game. I mean, they're playing the Bucks. All kinds of crazy stuff was happening at the end of that game in regulation. The Bucks they almost gave it away to him at the end of regulation, but the, the kid missed the field goal, so it went to overtime. And Seattle wins wins the coin toss. It's just like I didn't even need to watch it. Like. You're giving Russell Wilson the ball to go score a touchdown and win the game. Like you know, he's going to do it. And right. It's like it's like the Seahawks and Browns played a close game the other day, and it's like, what's going to happen here? Boy, yeah. Russell Wilson will make the one play he needs to win the game. Yeah. So he's like a magician. Uh, Tyler Lockett is like, I mean, I, no one, no one talks mm-hmm. about that guy. He is incredible. Uh, DK Metcalf. I not, I did not think he was going to be a good NFL player. 
he like Russell Wilson's made him made he's going to make him into a star. I mean, I don't know how good of a receiver he and, really and is. Now, but, and now they're adding Josh. Gordon and now they have too. Josh Gordon. Yeah, right. So, I, I mean, man, it's, it, Russell Wilson is just so good, and it's just made me think. Like you know, you hear people talk about who. Uh, well, if you had a, if you if your team had the ball with uh, you know two minutes to go to win the Super Bowl, like who would you want the quarterback to be? Or you know, just you hear that 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 that. that that scenario and it's every time to me it's russell wilson like i don't care who it is i don't i wouldn't take tom brady over him i wouldn't take aaron Rodgers over him i wouldn't take patrick mahomes over him i would i wouldn't take drew Brees over him i would pick russell wilson every time what about the rogers and referee factor though where oh yeah. oh, oh, oh they, yeah incomplete pass nope right. flag <laughs> yeah right that would help and, and rogers and his propensity with with the hail marys uh, yeah too, no i'm still so, i'm right, still taking yeah. russell wilson i don't know he's just he's just got that clutch gene the clutch gene that lebron doesn't have and right. that jordan and kobe had and stuff like that so um yeah everyone in the uh, nfc north lost last week the, the packers lost to yeah. the chargers and i wanted to get into the chargers here because there's there's reports uh, uh floating around that they're considering a move to uh, london yeah. and, and my question to you guys is not so much is that going to happen or not but do you think an nfl team is viable in in, in london I don't know. I'm not there. I I I don't know what the uh, tenor is among fans there. I don't I don't know how much I, I, I think they like it, is. but but it's not it's not soccer. I mean, it'll it'll never be soccer. Yeah. So, and plus, like just the dynamic you're creating, where a team's gonna have to get to London eight eight times. Yeah. I think the the way that's set up now, where you have numerous teams, you have almost all teams have to go out there. Uh, at some point, I think over. I, I don't know what. I don't know how many times do we go over. How many times do they go over there? A it's season more and more. I, it's more and more. I, I've even lost track. They're doing it so I, often. I think that's fine. I, I don't know why you need to have a, a home team there. I, I I just I don't know that London. I don't think those people are going to jump on board with you know rooting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why would they? Right. Or well, rooting for like I think the way they're doing it now is the way to do the, it. If the, they want to increase, if they want to uh, expand their fan base to that. I think I think Country. over there. I mean, soccer is king. Yeah, you, you, you're not you're not going to supplant it. soccer. And then you, you mentioned the, the the logistics of the travel, and you know I know this because I lived there for nine years. But in in Hawaii, you know there was a there was a minor league team there in the '80s. Actually, I believe Tony Gwynn played on one of those teams. And and so and, and and yeah. college football too. <laughs> playing playing the University and, of Hawaii and, in football. Yeah. And so 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 that that, that minor league baseball uh, team uh, has ceased to be. Uh, they they do not have minor league baseball there in Hawaii any anymore. Uh, just because of those logistics, the travel and and, and everything, I just can't can't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, the big complication is not like the Vikings are going to London this week, or the Bears are going to London, or the Browns are going to London. It's that the London team has to play eight road games, right? And say the London team's going to the West Coast. Say they're playing the Forty Niners in in San Fran in, uh, in California. That, that that that's quite that's quite a road trip because you already it's already five hours just to get to the East Coast, and then it's it's like an eight hour time time difference. So. So as much as the NFL, you're wants, setting up whatever organization that is to fail. I mean, yeah, I mean, as much as the NFL wants to go into Europe and open up all these new markets and all this untapped money that could be out there, it just logistically, it just to me, it doesn't make any the, sense. The way, but I'm saying this is the way they're doing it now is fine. Right. Like I you're, agree. you're you're spreading you're spreading it out. Everyone's having to deal with it. Uh, you're exposing that fan th- that that mm-hmm. country to all of the different teams. Uh, yeah, I I, I completely fine. I completely agree with you. The devil's advocate argument would be, 
well, one, it doesn't have a te- it doesn't have its team, and it had it's all these mismatch of teams that have, are coming over here to play. Like they want to give London their own team, but the NFL is an Amer- football is American football. Right. I, I don't know why we yeah. need to share it with with London. Right. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's a bunch of rich guys looking for ways yeah. to make more money. That, that, that's really all that it is. So, so it'll be interesting because the Chargers don't feel beloved. They're not beloved in um, yeah. in L.A. They feel like the 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 stepchild uh, out there, um, and and they're sharing the stadium with the Rams. They're sort of like <laughs> a tenant for the Rams. Yep. So, so there, there's nothing about the. Uh, LA that loves the Chargers really, and I, I guess if they moved to London, Philip Rivers would either have to retire or he would have to because he Philip yeah, Rivers he's, still, like he's seventy-eight kids, doesn't he? Well, that and he still commutes for every day from That's San right. Diego, so so commuting every day from San Diego to London might be a bit problematic for uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah, so. one of the things I did write down was uh, was my good look. Uh, I have a good look. Yeah, uh, and I'll get into my bad look after you do this. And it's Dean Spanos, the Chargers owner, who was asked about that. Or no, I don't even know that he was asked about it. These were just rumors floating around that San Diego, San Diego. That the Chargers LA, were going to end up yeah. having to move to London, and so his quote was: "I guess he came out and was just like he he was adamant, like I'm going to provide you guys with a quote, and this is what it was: It's total effing BS. We're not going to London. We're not going anywhere. We're playing in Los Angeles. This is our home, and this is where we were planning to be for a long effing time. Period." And so this was put out, obviously went went crazy on Twitter and everything. People were I. What happened was, I guess the Chargers then responded. The Chargers' Twitter account sent out a clip from the Wolf of Wall Street. Which was a great which clip, is a, yeah. It was a Jordan Belfort uh, moment in that movie. If you haven't seen that movie, you have you have to see it. It's a really long movie, but there are lots of gems in that movie. Great performances. And so it's Leonardo DiCaprio scene that they sent out on Twitter. And like A lot of people were had problems with what they did and didn't like that they did that, but Man, I thought that was fantastic. I, I love the quote from Dean Sp- Spanos, and yeah, I love the fact I mean, that the, F- the F-bomb's already been dropped once, yeah. so, so what's, a couple exactly. more time? what's a couple more times? And you know how I am, like, I, you know, this is the exact kind of quotes, like, I want to hear people give. Like, yeah, this like, is like, real. It's how, it's, is, how, it's how real people talk. Right. He, they, they, they use the F-bomb. Yeah, he was fired up, and he let it show. And so I thought that was great, and I thought it was even better right. that saying that the, that the Chargers tweeted. But I almost, w- I almost wish he didn't say because he like he could be lying, he could be BSing everyone. Right. Like like the but, next thing, right. like next week, he could be signing a deal to move the Chargers to right. to London. Ask me so. if I care, Greg. Right. No, like, I, I think no, it, I, I think I, it's I, hilarious. I, I, I know you don't care, and yeah. I'm not taking away from your point that, right. that it's great. But I'm just saying, like these guys say one thing one day, of and, course. Then, and then the next day they're. They're doing the complete opposite. Yeah. So yeah, you can't believe anybody anytime in right. professional so, sports. Right. So. Um, all right, time for my bad look of the week, and I, I could just make my Browns the bad look of the week because they're two and six with a with a ridiculously loaded roster, which is which is insane uh, in itself. But I wanted to uh, specifically mention a, a couple of their players uh, for my bad uh, look of the week. Uh, first, one and of for- them you should throw on the boat. First and foremost is Jermaine Whitehead, uh, who is who has been a defensive back that's actually played reasonably well for him. He's co- sort of a He's a bigger defensive back, so he's sort of a hybrid safety um, on corner type player, and he's got value because he could fill both roles for you. And he's actually had a pretty decent season until Sunday, when apparently somehow he was playing with a broken hand. Like, how how does he how does that happen um, in the first place? But poor Jermaine Whitehead could not make a tackle on Sunday. He he tried hard, but but he just couldn't tackle anyone on Sunday. 
And they left him in he, with a broken hand. Right. They, 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 like play, they, they, the they, they played him with a broken hand. Like, why is he on the field with a broken hand? That, that's question number one. Yep. But, but so poor Jermaine Whitehead had a pretty rough day on Sunday. And then after the game in the locker room, he apparently jumps on Twitter and at- attacks one of the analysts of the team. His name is Dustin Fox. He's like a radio analyst. Um, or he does radio work that analyzes. The, I don't know if he's on their broadcast or not, but whatever. Um, he he attacks this guy Dustin Fox, who questioned his tackling effort, which you could obviously question if you watch the game. And he he's he's uh, using racial slurs. He's he's calling them names. He's, he's he's going off, and it's like, dude, you just played one of the worst games ever, and you're gonna explode on someone on social media and some profane and inappropriate rant. How does he know what the guy said about him though? He was playing in the game. How was well, he, how well, was he aware of what, what he said he, about it? He had to have gone right back to the locker room, picked up his phone, and when you, when you're sort of bummed out and angry uh, yeah. about about, he had to have jumped right on Twitter right, after Twitter a game. Saw what the guy was saying, right? Okay. And in an emotional state after the game, he's starting to fire off these basically racist and inappropriate tweets, and it's like, didn't he say he was going to kill somebody yeah, at some point? Yeah, it was, the whole thing was it, it, it was bad. He played a horrible game. He was even worse after the game. Um, so and, and the team, rightfully so, they 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 cut him um, the, on Monday. The, the following day, they could have cut him right on the spot, and and it would have been justified. But it's like, dude, you you played a horrible game. Why are you on Twitter in an emotional state, firing off these firing off these tweets? He's since apologized. Today, he apologized for for yeah, his he wants post. Job. Right, exactly. Because now he's on he's he's untouched. Like, what team's going to sign? Jermaine Whitehead after after that outburst. So, so I'm sure all these NFL players have been told, "Hey, you know, don't look at a newspaper, don't get on a phone, not don't, don't check your notifications." Don't, yeah, and don't, this was this don't was get minutes. on TV, and and yet he he knows right away. How, how does he know right away? He, he he the only the only thing you could figure is he went right back into the locker room after the game and jumped right on his phone well, and on why Twitter. Would you do, why why right. would you do that? So, so you're in an emotional state after you having just played a football game. And you know you played really crappy, so right. what do you think people are saying about right. you? exactly. So he's, he's checking all this stuff out. Idiot. And right, exactly. So so Jermaine Whitehead is one of my Browns that gets a, a bad look of the week. My other one is Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah, who, he looked bad in a couple of different ways, like actually looked <laughs> bad. His, yeah. dr- his dress in the post game. I saw his, a picture of that. He, he like shaved like three times on Sunday. <laughs> like he had a beard. He had his normal beard. What it turned into it him? turned into like a Fu Manchu. He looked like uh, Gardner Minshew. Was that was he trying to right. was he trying to look like him on purpose? I don't know. And then he sort of looked like Charlie Chap. Like he had like three different looks like in the same he day. He had a Charlie Chaplin mustache. Is that what you're gonna say? Yeah. Well, yeah, because he shaved the Fu. He, he wore he had like a Fu Manchu going during the game. And then I think he's uh, having an identity crisis. And then, and then he basically had a mustache. It, it became a mustache for his post game for his post game <laughs> interview. <laughs> a like, terrible one at that. Right. It's like how many times? How many times did this guy shave in like the course of like five hours here? Yeah. So, but but he's he's playing he's playing poorly. The op, the coaching is got the offense all discombobulated. The coach needs to be fired and and speaking of the boat joe we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we may uh we may get to freddie kitchens uh, uh in a few minutes here but my issue isn't so much with baker's horrible play uh, thus far it's that he's like storming out of press conferences like he did last week with reporters because he didn't like the questioning it's like 
dude, you're playing bad. You got you got to stand in. You, you got to stand in there this and take the heat. It. You're paid millions of dollars. Part of your job is, is is to talk to the media. You can't be storming off, um, off out of, Especially this is the guy that picks fights with media yeah. members. Constant Colin Cowherd, and like the guys, the guy is known for having the chip on his shoulder. Well. The chip seems to be getting a little heavy for Baker Mayfield. This is, and this is what I've like. I, I had liked this about him in the past, but like it's almost like he's coming off as he he's acting like a diva. You know what I mean? Like he's almost right. like one of these. He's almost acting like Odell Beckham has in the past. Just right. so like he's some showing some of those characteristics, and you just can't do that. As there's you can do it to an extent as a quarterback, but like you're saying, you can't storm out of press conferences. You can't snipe at reporters right. and whatnot. You need to be. Uh, you, you show a little more respect and, and hold yourself to a higher standard when you're the face of a franchise. Especially since the questions, if, if you read the right. transcript, of it, it, he wasn't being like grilled right. in, in, a, in a super tough way. So just stand in there, answer the questions, and, and deal with it. Like and and you're you're making life way harder on yourself when you pick fights with with media members and you, and you pick when you're picking fights all the time and you're just trying to rile yourself up. You're like. Life, you're making life yeah. tough. It's one on more thing you have to you're right, you're exactly. having to concern yourself with. Right, it's energy you're expending on yeah. something that has nothing to do with football. So, so it's like Baker probably needs to lower lower the profile a, a little bit here uh, because he's playing poorly. And maybe he'll and, have some new fa- some right. new facial hair next week to try to you know lower his profile. Yeah, the facial hair doesn't even well, that <laughs> that's not even why he's that's not even my. You could argue the facial hair is a bad look, but that's not the reason why he's my bad look of the week. <laughs> Because I because he went from like Still a terrible look. It right. was, yeah. Um, I have. I, I think I shared the tweet with you, but off the show, Joe, the, a couple of the tweets, like they had a picture yeah, of really Baker good. from last year compared to what Baker looked like at the end of the game Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like how you can age in in, in the toll of, be, of being, being a Browns brown. quarterback, what, what that takes on you. So, so yeah. So Jermaine Whitehead for his inexplicable. Uh, rant after playing one of the worst games ever, and then Baker Mayfield just for the past couple of weeks here. Yeah. They're, they're my bad look of the week. So, uh, do we have some people to throw in the boat here? Uh, yeah, I do. I and this is a two week old because uh, we didn't get to do this last week, and I, I was going to mention it last week. Uh, it was something that I, rec- I I stumbled across on Sunday, two Sundays ago. Um, we were flipping the, through the channels uh, after dinner, and we came upon some special. Some WWE special, okay? And I, I don't watch it these days. I know Greg. It's on Fox. I, I, you're a I, fan. I'm a fan, but not. I'm not like not a, locked ad, in. Right. Locked in like I. You're used not like to be. I was right. gonna say. Right. Alan is a is a right. is a regular viewer of all of their all of their their shows. I basically follow it online. I, right. I don't watch many of the shows, but I you could keep track of it on websites like results and what sure. happened and stuff. So I wanted. I wanted to expose my son to this because he's never really watched wrestling, and I've tried this in the past, and he. So we turned it on, and it was like a some special like three three way like tag team match right. involving some big stars. Like it's, it's a shame that wrestling isn't like what it was when we were kids uh, yeah. growing up because it was much better. I mean, for, for kids, it was much better back then than it is now. Right? I, okay, I, I think so. Yeah. So I wanted to get to 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 my my candidate for the boat, and that's his name is. I think I texted you guys. Uh, who was something about his finishing move 
I said his name was Ruben Reigns, but that's not his name, is it? His name is Roman. His name is Roman Reigns, who, and he's like apparently the big star, right? He's like the he's, big he's, champion. He's, he's one of their top guys. Not their so, team, not, <laughs> Brock Lesnar is actually their <laughs> champion, but um, okay. And, and Brock Lesnar just fought Kane Velasquez in a WWE I, and match, I saw and I saw a title fight. Yeah. I saw a tease. I saw um, a promo that Kane Velasquez did. It was terrible. It was like god awful. Like he should not be in professional wrestling. Right. He's bad. Um, and he's not ripped either, so he doesn't right. even have the body type for pro Also wrestling. bad, Roman Reigns' finishing move, which is why I am throwing this guy on the boat. This guy is a purportedly some huge wrestling star, and he was in this triple tag team triple match. Threat, yeah. And he, like... Punched uh, punch someone. He, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like a nothing move. And and he ended up winning the match off of this nothing finishing they, move. They, they call it the Superman punch. It's terrible. So, yeah. Like that's it, an actually, it, it, that's, it's a weak finisher. That's actually something you can do in MMA is a Superman punch and you don't ever hardly see it landed, but, uh, yeah, totally weak sauce. Uh, I was not impressed whatsoever by Ruben, Ru- Roman Reigns. You should call, him, Ru- you should call him Ruben. I, I called him Ruben, Ruben Reigns in a text and Greg corrected me. Uh, he's got to go on the boat. Like I don't watch professional wrestling, but if that is an indicative of what it is, I will not be watching it ever again. You should call him Ruben until he comes up with a better, better yes. finishing move. Yes, so. exactly. R- where, did, where did he punch the guy that was supposed to be this great punch? I don't even remember. It almost looks like a clothesline. Like maybe he didn't execute it perfectly, it, but it, it's a it's a lame finisher. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So I mean, so. I I want to say like he almost punched him like in the in the chest or something. Like now look now listen. Yeah, it's like a heart, it's like a heart punch almost. Back in the day, okay, before the Undertaker was the Undertaker, he was a guy named Mean Mark, and Mean Mark had the heart punch and that was a ba finishing move like he took the guy's hand and like put a, one yeah. of his hands behind his head and then he just like thrust a huge punch into the guy's chest and knocked them out and, and mark mark that Calloway, was mark Calloway, the undertaker is like 610 yeah. and like 300 pounds so he's, yeah. he's a huge guy so that was so. a pretty cool finishing move even though it was just the punch reuben reigns finishing move was weak sauce now, now, in fairness, like Hulk Hogan, who's like maybe the biggest star yeah. in wrestling history, his finisher was a leg drop, which, yeah. which is sort of a lame finishing move. Also, too. weak sauce, yeah, right. But um, so, but yes, Roman Reigns or Ruben Reigns, excuse me, <laughs> um, <laughs> has one of the weakest finishers ever. Yeah, really so. bad. Like I, you know, like you're saying, like when we were kids and we had some of these superstars. I mean, you had like brandy savage jumping off the top rope with the elbow and you had you just had some like really cool stuff well i mean the internet is such a factor now and everyone like crit- everyone could jump on and criticize things so yeah. things things are just way but, different now than they used to so be so does he get so. criticized for his finishing move he, he, he i don't think he does but seriously no no but, but i'm saying so much of what you see on tv now is dictated by like what like, people like what people say. might say on okay. the internet and stuff like that so all right, so here we go. Joe's about to throw uh, Steven Strasburg, World Series MVP, no, on the no, boat. No, 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 Davey no. Martinez I, going I, on the boat. I, I, or, or Davey this, Martinez, this, excuse this, me. This, this doesn't even uh, how, go. How, how, go. Could, how could you manage your bullpen like that, Davey? I, I cannot top um, Roman Reigns here. And actually, <laughs> that would be, be, go... be Ruben Reigns. I'm oh, sorry. I, I apologize. Ruben <laughs> Reigns. Uh, so, no, I'm, uh, I've am i actually stuck up for my, <laughs> for my fellow journalists uh over the past few uh, months being on this uh, on this podcast but now I'm actually going to put him down a little bit. So uh Dave it's Martinez. Not one of us, is he? No, it's not one of you guys. <laughs> it's actually most of the people on the BBWAA for not for not making Dave Martinez uh, Martinez a finalist for the NL Manager of the Year award. That's so, a joke. Yeah. I mean, I mean this this is a stat that has been pounded home into every baseball 
fan's head throughout the entire playoffs, 19 and 31. Now, to the, start the, the postseason doesn't the postseason doesn't count. Or it's I not understand, to, right? right. Yeah. I understand. No, but your point is valid. Like to get a team from nineteen and thirty-one to the playoffs, yes. is, nineteen and, 30, is so, is 19 else. and yeah. thirty-one with you know with all those injuries to start the season to Turner, Scherzer, yeah. Rendon, Scherzer, a terrible bullpen, and to not be a finalist. That's 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 terrible. It's an abomination. That's terrible. And then uh, you know, I mean, you, you can make the argument. Okay, who who deserves to be left off? Uh, you've got Craig Council who had zero. <laughs> Where's he? Zero, you know, at, at in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, who had zero quality starting pitchers? So I think he's a candidate. Mike Schilt. You know that their organization, the Cardinals, made like zero big time moves to improve. Uh, you know their squad, and they still make the playoffs. So, think- so, so so he needs to be on there. But Brian Snitker. The Braves, their their front office did a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, you know, they got they, they got Dallas Keuchel in the middle of the year. Uh, they, you know, they got uh, uh, Mark Melanson and Shane Green, two very high end uh, relievers. So so I'd I'd have to replace Brian Snicker with with Dave Martinez hands down. And then the other one is the the AL MVP candidates and and this is where uh you know all these geeky sabermetricians i I think that's what we have in the bbw uh aa um you know marcus simeon and and nothing against him he he had a great season for the a's you know the a's you know the little train that always could uh but you know dj lemayhew for the yankees when pretty much the, the whole entire yankees uh starting lineup was was on the dl and and he's not a candidate uh uh, it was brought up what uh, war I, I think mm-hmm. uh, the, the top three candidates in the AL were, were your war leaders and I'm like okay this I'm sorry you're, you're geeking that's, out that's all they're counting uh, you're, you're geeking out on this as far as who deserves for these big who deserves these big awards and you know when you have someone like that in 327 you know playing with the likes of you know Mike Talkman and Gio Urshela and not oh. Stanton and and uh, Aaron Judge, you know, you know, guys who are injured, and you know, the Yankees lineup was almost like a Triple A lineup. And he, this is this is a guy who is, you know, hit did nothing but hit, as Joe Buck said a ton of times. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, don't don't look at war. No. I, I mean, I, I, I can, exactly. anybody can do that. Any one of us can do that. Any fan can look at the war yep. leaders on the internet and pick the top three, and that's what they were. Uh, it was Bregman, Trout, and Marcus Simeon was number three. And they took the top three war leaders and said, "Okay, hey, slam, yeah, that's not not good." So, so the writers, you, you're better than that. Yeah, we need to get uh, Ruben Reigns uh, to give these baseball writers a, a, a Superman give him a punch. Heart punch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a heart right. punch. Yeah. So, right, all right. Well, uh, Baker Mayfield could have been my bad look of the week last week for storming off because that's when he actually stormed off the the podium, and he was again this week for for that reason and is. Poor play and various mustaches and facial <laughs> facial hair <laughs> in, the, in the span of one Sunday afternoon, but um, but Freddie Kitchen was was going to be my boat candidate last week, and he did nothing to get himself off the boat uh, this week uh, against the Patriots. He intentionally took a penalty to save a timeout, so fourth and eleven became fourth and sixteen, and of course Baker was sacked on the fourth and sixteen. So it's like. Every single week, there are just head-scratching <laughs> decisions from, from Freddie Kitchens. 
the guy, the guy he, he, he doesn't he, look like a head coach no. and it's probably because he shouldn't be one right he was a running back he was a running backs coach last year who got elevated when they fired Hugh Jackson which they should have because he won three out of like 40 games um he had a good stint as their offensive coordinator and they elevated him to head coach it was a big risk. Everyone acknowledged that, and and this risk has blown up in their face basically because he's in way over his head. He's calling plays, he's he's throwing ill-advised challenge flags. Like Jim Romo, Jim Romo, Tony Romo, and Jim Nance were like openly making fun of him during the Patriots broadcast <laughs> last week because they're saying like, "There's no way that's getting overturned," and they're like, "Okay, we'll see when we come back." And of course, it wasn't overturned. So. So when, when when announcers are like openly mocking your your head coach, you you, you know you know it's not good. Uh, Freddie on Sunday passed up two field goals. He passed up a field and he passed up a field goal. Uh, they missed the fourth down. They got a horrible spot from the refs. It should have been a first down, but whatever. They allowed the refs. This is against Denver. They, right? they allowed the refs to they allowed the refs to beat them, which they which they often do. And then missing that field goal or opportunity meant that they had to. Had couldn't kick it later in the game when had they just gotten the three points they would have and it what whatever I mean, he passed up two field goals they lost by five points and my explanation was too convoluted so it's every week with Freddie Kitchens it's 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 like what are you doing and are you throwing in the towel yeah on I'm, the I'm, season on the season no because just, who the hell do they have on their staff that could be the head well, coach uh, Steve Wil- Steve Wilkes is their defensive coordinator he was the Cardinals. Head coach last year, in his one and done, his one and done season is the Cardinals coach. Never but, heard of him, but they do have a coordinator with head coaching experience. I would be fine if they fired Freddie Kitchens right now. Yeah, but well, on the offensive staff, who is going to step in and start being the play caller? Like who's well, under him? Uh, Todd Munkin, uh, who uh, was Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator last year, he came over to the Browns. He's not calling plays, so it was interesting. He took the job without without being able to call plays, but but he. Sounds to me like you're throwing in the towel in the season, Greg. Well, the, the the playoffs are over. They're not they're not making the playoffs at, at two and six. I mean, they would have to win the division to do it because they don't have the tiebreaker with Tennessee. They don't have the tiebreaker with three and six Denver. I mean, they would lose too many tiebreakers, and they're not catching the and they're not catching the Ravens no, that's by, not by four games. So the playoffs are over. Um, the fact that like they don't seem capable of winning a game right now, let alone like eight in a row. So you're throwing the towel in on the season, right? Because you're essentially saying, screw this season. Let's throw big money at hot candidate number one in the offseason. Right, right? W- which I think should be Lincoln Riley, who right. worked with Baker Mayfield and had big success with Baker Mayfield before at Oklahoma. Uh, a, a sharp college coach uh, that knows what he's doing, a, a young college coach that knows what he's doing. So I, I, he would be my preferred choice to be their head coach. But, yeah, if they fired Freddie right now, I, I'd be fine with that. Now, can they get to, like, seven and nine or eight and eight with their schedule yes it, but it would have to be a sea change with the way they're playing right now because they can't beat a quarterback who's never appeared in an nfl game brandon allen of the broncos had never appeared in an nfl game and he looked hall of fame worthy on sunday play, playing the browns defense so so freddie kitchens uh, out the door by early january is that inevitable right now i i, I, th- I think so and, I, and i'm throwing him on the boat i'm giving him a head start on his uh, his, his vacation um his soon-to-be vacation, but because wow. it's, it's it's every week, it's like what what are you doing, Freddie? The guy's just he's in over his head uh, a, a little bit, so he's he's my boat candidate for the week. So, all right, running short on time, but we'll do uh, some scene or to be seen. Man, I got a whole bunch of them here because we missed two weeks. Uh, 
well, I wanted to mention some some things that I saw last week, uh, and and another one that I just saw before we came on. They're all boxing related. I think it must be on ESPN's website. They have this little this day in history thing. And two times last week, I saw really cool this day in histories. One of them was for the Rumble in the Jungle. One of them was for Tyson Douglas. And then the one I just saw today was George Foreman against Michael Moore when he, in 1994, reclaimed the heavyweight championship at age 45. I wanted to talk more about the first two, and I'll just say, if you have not ever gone back and watched the full fight of the Rumble in the Jungle, which is Muhammad Ali against George Foreman, and if you have never not once watched the entire fight between Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas, go on YouTube now and do it. As soon as you can, as soon as you get some free time, if you are a fan of boxing or fighting or the fight game, those are two fights that you have to watch in their entirety. They are like two of the two of my favorite fights of all time. Um, I'll if I see them one somewhere, I will watch them. Especially the finishes for both of them are just spectacular. Um, I wanted to mention those just because they came up, and I was like, "Wow, I hadn't thought about those those fights in a long time." Those were cool. Any, any, any Superman punches in those? No in, Superman in those punches fights? in those fights. No. Okay, good. Um, although, like Buster Douglas was essentially the Man of Steel in that in that fight. I, I yeah, mean, I mean that, that both of the, he and Ali too in in his fight. I mean, just the you know those guys were spectacular in, in their Let's see, fights. In, in 1980, was that 90 or 89? Uh, <laughs> that was in 1990, Doug- I think. Okay, so I was like I was 11 years old in in 1990, and, and you were right around that age yeah. too, Josh. And I just remember. Because my dad got invited over to, because it was on pay per view, and my yeah. dad got invited over to the next door neighbor's house because they were getting, um, they were getting the fight, and it was late at night, so I had to go to bed. But I woke up the next morning. I remember. So how long did it take Tyson to beat him? And my dad just like he just smiled and he looked at me. He goes, "Tyson didn't win." And I'm like, <laughs> it was like, it was, it was like what? <laughs> because Tyson was like knocking right. like Michael Spinks out, like a credible fighter like Michael Spinks out in like ninety seconds. And back and, then, it wouldn't that right. wouldn't have made it in the newspaper. People, you know, probably didn't find out right. about it for quite a while because that uh, was in Tokyo. But it was just the shock of it. Like, what do you mean, Mike Tyson didn't uh, didn't win? Yeah. So my yeah. dad just I just remember my dad describing the fight to me and was just blown away by it. So there's one other fight related thing that I wanted to mention as a senior to be seen. I didn't even see the fight. Nate Diaz fought an MM and uh, UFC's main event over the weekend against uh, Jorge Masvidal in what was purported to be the battle of the for the baddest MFer in the world. Um, Nate Diaz, everyone knows, is the guy that beat Conor McGregor a couple of years ago. Had he a, lost to him. And he yeah, lost yeah. to him right after that. Nate Diaz, and then, so what I wanted to mention was not necessarily the fight that I saw, but I read a really great column by Dan Wetzel on Yahoo about Nate Diaz and, and Nate Diaz's place in MMA and his place and value to the UFC and how he's sort of a throwback because he's a freaking brawler. This guy does not, he will not fight wrestlers. He's all about fighting guys that will go in there and just brawl with him. And he is like a fan favorite. Everybody loves to listen to him talk. He pumps up fights better than anybody that they have right now with Conor McGregor being out of the game. Um, he lost this fight and he got cut and I guess it was before the fourth round. It was a doctor stoppage. So he was losing um, and he was losing on everyone's cards. And I think there was even like a 10-8 round. So he was losing bad. But that's the thing about him is he wanted to keep fighting. If he would have kept fighting, he he's one of these guys who gets better later in fights because his endurance is just so ridiculous. And he can take more than any guy in the in the game. Weren't, weren't they saying that if the McGregor fight he lost went like another round or two, yeah. that he, he would have won? And that it? was a yeah, yeah that, I think that was a split decision as well. So um, 
the point is like he's must see TV and and like uh, he caught he he doesn't kowtow to Dana White and to all of these UFC honchos. He he gets into you know back and forth with them and he won't do what they want him to do a lot of times. Um, and if you ask me, he has the right to just call his shot at this point, like because he is a money maker for them, and he's just must. Who else do they have? Like, right. well, they don't they don't have a lot of stars. I mean, they have Jones, I guess. McGregor right. is out of it. Um, Khabib is not a huge personality exactly. or anything like that. Um, so yeah, so read. So if you're if you're curious about Nate Diaz, read um, Dan Wetzel's column, which came out I think today. I think I actually retweeted it. Uh, Dan Wessel is one of the best in the business, and uh, he does cover MMA really well um, for Yahoo. So anyway, that's uh, Nate Diaz is um, he, he's 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 must watch you know, must see TV. And was it was that I'm sad? Ri- I missed it. Was that ridiculous knockout you sent me? Where the guy just that was Masvidal. Okay, so that was the guy he fought um, on Saturday. Masvidal owns the UFC's record for fastest knockout, and that was it. He beat, okay, so he, that, that yes. didn't just happen. No, no, that, that didn't just happen. That, some time ago. That's from, okay, from yeah. a while ago. I think it was within the last year. He, he Ben Askren's the guy that he knocked out. He just ran across the cage and need him. And it honestly should not have been five seconds, which is I think what, what they, they mark it at. It, was, it seemed like less than he, that. He was, yeah. he, as soon as he connected on that kick, Ben Askren was out, and the ref didn't get in, wasn't able to get in to stop it for another two seconds. So it really should be three seconds. Right. Anyway, oh, so is Nate Diaz more more entertaining than one of your favorites, Cowboy Cerrone? Cowboy Cerrone is another one that's just like him. They're very similar. Like they just he he wants to fight. He's a brawler. Um, yeah, those two together would be. I don't think those two have ever fought, and they're they're both uh, you know fifty five. I think Cerrone's fought a lot at one fifty five, and so has Diaz. So hey, man, I'd be totally up for that. I think I think everybody would want to see that fight. Joe, do you have a scene or two be seen? Well, uh, I'm going with basketball today. Uh, we've got Michigan State versus Kentucky, one versus two. Uh, we saw just uh, before we came in here uh, a little bit of uh, of uh, Kansas versus Duke. So uh, yeah, all, Duke, all, about, Duke, all about the basketball. Yeah, Duke, Duke won that. I was going to mention the start of the college basketball season too. They they always it's sort of a cool thing they do now. They put basically the top four teams in the country That's preseason great. together, and they they match them up uh, to sort of kick off the season. And I, I think it's really cool because they're games that people want to see, and they they could yep. be uh, Final Four preview type type games. So yeah, I, I was going to mention the start of the college basketball season too, both locally and uh, nationally. Mount St. Mary's uh, is at Georgetown this week. And uh, speaking of basketball, I also wanted to mention that uh, Sports Illustrated has a cover story this week on like the latest greatest high school basketball phenom. His, his name is Amani Bates. Uh, he's six nine and one hundred and eighty five pounds, so he's 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 a bean pole, but he's he's got one of the, he's got a great jumper apparently. He's got a silky smooth jumper and drawing comparisons uh, to Durant already, right? And 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 people aren't saying like people are saying like oh they're comparing him to Kevin Durant like whatever like he'll never be Kevin Durant, but like everyone that makes that comparison, the people that know him say no, it's a, it's a valid and legit comparison. There are people saying he's the best basketball player they, they've ever seen. So the interesting thing about him is that the Division One schools aren't even – he's, I think, 15, he's 15 years old. They don't even bother. And, and they're not even he's – got, he's got like five Division One offers, and this is like the biggest basketball team, even, maybe even bigger than LeBron, and he's got like five Division One offers because the colleges know that the NBA is likely to allow the kids to come straight from high school to the NBA again. By the time this kid um, is, is ready to go to college, like he'll – 
be able to go right to the NBA, and that's what he's going to do. So schools aren't even bothering to recruit him just because they know that he'll likely be uh, straight straight to the NBA. But apparently he's the real deal. I mean, it, it, was, it was a good story written by Michael Rosenberg, who's a very good uh, writer for SI. Uh, and, uh, and this kid will be coming on more and more people's radars. I'm sure ESPN will start televising his high school games or something like that. <laughs> so, But Imani Bates is his name. He's, he's a Michigan uh, he's a Michigan kid, 15 years old, and said to be maybe the greatest basketball phenom ever. So, uh, so I enjoyed that story in, in SI this week. So, all right, we're back. Uh, good to be back, Joe. Thank you for joining us as always, and uh, we will be back next week uh, with another episode of Just Another Sports Podcast. Pick the Cowboys. It's 